You're listening to Bottom Line CDI, talks about how to achieve sustainable success in clinical documentation improvement programs. Hello, everyone. I'm Ernie DeLosantos, producer and moderator for Bottom Line CDI. Thanks for listening, and let me get right to the podcast. On this episode of Bottom Line CDI, I'm interviewing a CDI professional who's having great success at her hospital's CDI program. And I've asked her to talk about the whys and wherefores of what she is doing to succeed. Our special guest is Heidi Hillstrom. She's the lead documentation specialist for St. Luke's, a 250-bed hospital in Duluth, Minnesota. But I'll let her tell you all about that. And with that, here's the recording. Enjoy. Okay, so Heidi, thanks for being with us today. And hope you stay uh, warm. Understand <laughs> it's cold there. So anyway, tell us a little bit about what you do there in Duluth. Well, I work, I work at a hospital here in Duluth, and my main role is performing clinical documentation uh, reviews. Uh, so that is my core position and, you know, in querying and, and whatnot. And I'm also responsible for developing our physician uh, information, education, tip sheets that go out. And I also schedule with physicians to meet with them to provide information in their offices. So I do a lot of hands-on work with our physician. And that's mm-hmm. my main role. I also write... Um, the appeals for our hospital when we receive diagnosis denials. Wow, you do the appeals too. Wow. Yep, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm very active in, in that format. And I also, not only the clinical, but I also get involved in the coding issues that various payers are latching onto now to issue denials. Oh, okay, okay. And so when did you, now you... Uh, got in the industry some time ago, obviously. What made you decide to go in that direction of doing CDI? Well, it, it, it was accidental, to be honest. Ah. I first started, it was, it was accidental. I first started at St. Luke's, um, in a, it was a dual role, doing utilization review and clinical documentation improvement came with it. Okay. So when I took the utilization review position, oh, and you're also going to do clinical documentation improvement. So that's how that happened. Okay. Okay. And so, and so over the years, um, now my main focus is documentation and some of those other duties such as you are, I no longer do. My main focus is CDI only. Okay. Well, and, and how big is your hospital? I forgot how many beds. Oh, uh, we're like 250 beds. Okay. Okay. So medium, medium size. Yep. Uh, yep. A medium size. And are there any other uh, CDIs on staff, or are you it? Um, I am the only RN CDI, and then we also have a coder who works with me, who is oh, also okay. a CDI. Okay. We used it used to be all RN driven, uh-huh. and then when our other RN retired. A year and a half ago, we decided to make it a multidisciplinary um, approach, and I feel that that tag team between myself and someone from coding works very well in our department. Okay. That, no, I think that's great. We were just talking about that 
uh, on a Finally Friday show recently. So how uh, we we really people really need to put coding up closer to the front, at least some places. Uh, it sounds like that's really working out well for you. It is. Um, it's working out very well. And and our program, we work very closely with our coders. There's frequent communication day in, day out, so we are, we are frequently communicating with each other on a daily basis. Ah, and, okay. Yeah, and so when the RN did retire, um, one of the, our coding professionals who took a strong interest in CDI, it was just a natural fit for her to come over and start working with me. Well, it sounds like you've almost got concurrent coding going on. Well, we're, we're working towards that. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, they, they are coding after discharge. However, when I do see issues in the medical record um, up front, I will ask a coder, can you come and take a look at this and get their perspective on, on what I should query for if there's question or what clarification I might need? Yeah. Well, I'm willing to bet that uh, pretty much that's a really big thing that helps your program be successful. Uh, yeah. That's all that. Yeah. Now, if you were if you were going to advise somebody, if we have people listening who are trying to get their CDI program improved, can you suggest two or three areas that you think they ought to concentrate on? Like I would imagine that that coding work is a big deal. Yeah, I I would suggest people to like cross train themselves. Huh. Um, um, I'm I'm an RN with background and uh-huh. um, and I did I've you know I've read the official coding guidelines and read through the coding clinics and through all of that self-training I've actually obtained my my um, my coding certification through AHIMA and okay. so I think it's important to also bring that into your program and cross-train yourself because it's important to know both both lines learn the coding rules, learn the coding language, and that is very beneficial for when you're working with physicians. You want to make sure that when you put a query out right, it's going to be compliant and it's going to be what coding can use and it's clinically relevant. Yeah. So is that like the kind of advice you give somebody who's new coming into a CDI position? They need to go learn more coding? Um, it, yes, because... It's, it, it's, it's the foundation. You have to, when you learn the coding, then the DRG information, the APR um, information, it, it makes more sense once you say you have that aha moment and you know why you're doing what you're doing as a clinician to get those diagnoses mm. wrapped up. It just, it, it just makes more sense. Okay. Okay. And uh, so... If you were going to talk about the most important thing that you've learned since you started working with in CDI and UR, what, what would you say the, mo- the one most important thing is that you've learned? One of the most important things that I've learned? Yeah. Um, there's There's been multiple, but I think the most important thing that I've learned is to make sure that you are working in a compliant environment that what you're asking for you are doing it under under compliance and you really need to that coding helps you so that you ensure that you are being compliant <laughs> and, and I'm, and gonna learning. Bet 
I'm going to bet your experience writing appeals <laughs> is where you <laughs> learned that. Uh, um, you know, partly, yes. I, I think, too, that it came hand in hand that it just made sense, too, that I would start also writing appeals based on um, everything I've learned here and getting that coding um, foundation built. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what do you think you, you know, if you look back on when you started out doing CDI, what kind of things did your, you know, if there's one thing that you wish you had when you were starting out would be what? The one thing that I wished I had when I started out, um, and, and granted, that was 16 years ago, so programs were, were developing. I wished I had more coding information given to me. I wished I would have known um, about the coding clinics and the official coding guidelines. Um, I feel that that would have been important to know. Okay. <clears throat> and so if you were going to think about something that you would say, don't do this. <laughs> what would you not recommend for somebody starting out in CDI? Um, and I, I, I want to say that a lot of programs, and even I started out working with consultants, and there are a lot of great consultants out there, but mm-hmm. don't take everything they tell you without actually doing research and learning about the information they are giving you. Yeah. So if it's a coding concept, go into the coding clinics. Go and research that. Look up the guidelines. If they're telling you to query clinic, for clinical diagnoses, make sure you really understand what that clinical is. Mm-hmm. You know, just because someone tells you to do something, make sure you understand why and make sure that it is correct. That mm-hmm. is one, one thing that I um, suggest anybody new starting out. Um, make sure you do some of your own groundwork and legwork and research. Sure. Yeah, you definitely ought to do that. Well, now, to do that, though, you must have some, you must have uh, acquired a couple of favorite uh, helpful resources. Uh, what we, Can you name one or two of those? Um, well, I, I, I use AHIMA and ACDS ACTUS quite a bit. Okay. And I network with professionals through those organizations. And also, I would network every month with the Minnesota Actus chapter. So we, have, we conference call in with each other once a month, several hospitals from the state of Minnesota. And, you know, it's just it's my networking to make sure, how are you doing something? And I read this guideline. Are you... Are you um, reading it the way I am. Is your interpretation mm-hmm. the same or different? To kind of make sure you're all on the same page. Okay. You know, that networking is very beneficial. And you're doing that. Is that, that happens online, I imagine? Um, yeah. We, sometimes we have WebExes. Sometimes it's, it's a teleconference. But that's what we do every month, and we've been doing that for many, many years now. Oh, okay. So okay. be involved at your state at your state level chapter. And if you're in a state that doesn't have um, Actus chapter, you certainly can go to a neighboring state because we have, we have people from North Dakota call, you know, calling in on our call. And sometimes we even double up with Wisconsin. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So yeah, the neighboring state, it wouldn't be too much different uh, from one state to the next. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, and, and, and okay, given all your 
experience, and I know that you have a successful program, or uh, Glenn Glenn uh, Krauss uh, probably wouldn't have sent you to me for this interview. But what do you think is it? I mean, today, given where you are with the, the successful program, what what do you think is the most challenging thing you face today? Today um, is payers, payers and their <laughs> denial rates and um, um, and and reasons that they issue denials. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm surprised that they are issuing a denial. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised that they're using this guideline in that fashion. So that is probably the most challenging. Um, issue we are dealing with today and okay. we currently have um, our, our medical director and our attending physicians all involved in this process so that when a denial comes in um, we we touch base with our attendings and they are also writing appeal letters to combat these denials ah, okay so you, d- you definitely go back to the attending for who the denials being uh, written against and Get them to help you with it, so they yep. can learn. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And so, you know, with the success, how do you measure success in your program and in what you guys are doing? Well, you know, you have your your metrics that everyone looks at. You know, your case mix index, your query rate, those type of measurements. But to be honest with you, I measure my success based upon how our physicians interact with us and how they acknowledge our program and the fact that our physicians say that we are needed. That is how I measure success. Okay. Okay. And it, so when they when the hospital measures you for success, what are they measuring you on? Um, yeah, it's it's the you know it's your case mix index, um, our query rate, but and then even how many appeals I overturn, those type of things. Okay, okay. Uh, and so it's so it it's it sounds like pretty much what I'd expect them to be measuring. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, in your query rate, do you feel like you make progress on that with the physician? Uh, it sounds like you're doing, I mean, I don't know what else you can do. Um, yeah, I, I, I do feel that we, we make progress on that. Um, but with, with what is happening with insurance, with the payers right now is changing our query rate um, because they're they're denying diagnoses for all kinds of different reasons, even though we feel that the diagnosis is there and clinically validated. So that is changing some of why and when we do query our physicians, and we're bringing that information back to them so that they understand why we are querying even though a diagnosis has been documented it's so we don't get a denial on the back end so that's changing a little bit so our query rate is changing um based upon the current climate with payer denials okay you i'm curious do you feel like they're denying uh because they disagree with the diagnosis or are they pointing at something in coding that leads them to think it should be coded differently and therefore a different diagnosis? Um, I, I feel that they are taking coding clinics and coding guidelines and I don't know how to put it, 
and using it in such a way that they are justifying themselves in denying valid diagnoses. Okay. Okay. So they're using, they're using, they're pointing to guidelines, but they seem to be pointing to them in a way that benefits their analysis. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, um, I think I'm going to wrap it up here, but if you were going to advise somebody about what to do, you know, with their program in the next 30 days or 90 days or a year to improve their program, what would you, what would you advise them to do? I would advise them to meet with their physicians and their, and their providers, their mid-levels or physicians, and engage them and ask them how, how the providers feel that you can improve as a program. What is it that I can do to make this better for you? How can I help you with your documentation needs? What are you finding challenging with the documentation we're currently requesting? And how can I help you with that? And do you have any recommendations for us to improve? Okay. I was going to ask if you had any final words of wisdom, but I think you just gave them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very very important to have – your physicians actively involved in your program. So they don't run away from you when they see you coming down the hall. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Heidi, this has been, this has been great and I hope it's very helpful to people. And, uh, I, I want to talk to you about being on finally Friday sometime. Sounds like we could, we could have a good, a good talk there as well. So thanks very much. Well, thank you for having me. We owe a special thanks to Heidi for sharing her experience and expertise with us. And thanks to all of you for listening in. We'll be back soon with another podcast from Bottom Line CDI. Meanwhile, have a great week. Bottom Line CDI podcasts are produced by Ernie De Los Santos. Our host and executive producer is Glenn Krause president and CEO of Core CDI. To find out more, visit www.core-cdi.com.